Daryl, thank you so much for that prayer this morning. Um, before I begin, I just want to reiterate what Pastor Chad announced earlier. That is, next Sunday is going to be a little different, um, but we hope will be very special to you in uh, your Christmas celebration. It's that time that happens every once in a while where Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So what we're doing is we are combining our Christmas Eve service and our morning service into one longer service in the morning. It'll start at 10 o'clock and go for an hour and a half until 11.30. Our choir is going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to have some special Christmas readings. We're going to sing a lot of Christmas carols. I will share a message from God's word and then afterward out in the foyer we're going to have Christmas cookies and coffee and water as a special time of fellowship. Also, maybe you want to invite your neighbors and friends to come to that service. We have some invitations if you go out to the information center. I think it's right close by where um, the bulletins are. There's they're just kind of a small sheet that you can hand to someone and invite them to our special service next Sunday morning. Well, we are taking a break from our sermon series on the attributes of God to celebrate Christmas. And so I'm in the second of kind of three parts of a Christmas sermon series. And again, we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We're going to look at the coming of the wise men. And as I say so often, because we've read passages like this so many times in our lives, we need to really pray, Oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to see this in a fresh important, worshipful way. So in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we read, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Well, our first point this morning is the worthy lamb. In Revelation chapter 5, a mighty angel proclaimed with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And the entire universe was waiting for the answer to the question asked by a mighty angel. I want to give you just a really brief outline of the book of Revelation. In chapter 1, we have an introduction and this amazing, majestic description of the living and resurrected Christ who was and who is and who is to come. And then in chapters 2 and 3 are the seven letters or the letters to the seven churches And then in chapters 4 and 5, the entire scene of the book of Revelation moves to heaven. And in chapters 4 and 5, we find ourselves in the inspired word of God before the very throne of God the Father. And then in chapter 6 through chapter 22, we move into the tribulation. And we see the seven seal judgments. We see the seven trumpet judgments. And we see the seven bowl judgments. Then we see Jesus returning, riding on a white horse to defeat his enemies and to set up his millennial kingdom. And then we see the onset of the new heavens and the new earth. But in chapter 5, chapter 5 is, I believe, one of the most dramatic, majestic scenes in all of the Bible. And I want you to bear with me for a moment here because I'm just going to read Revelation chapter 5 to you this morning. If you want to turn there, you can, but you don't have to. I just want you to listen. I want you in your sanctified imagination, to enter into this scene as if you are there in heaven before the throne of the Father. And this is what it says. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who? Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing 
as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might, forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Folks, what I want us to see this morning is that the worthy lamb of Revelation chapter 5 is the child that the wise men came to worship. Yes, we are talking about an innocent child in the flesh, but I want you to see this morning who he really is who he is to become. And just a quick reminder this morning, I know some of you know this, but maybe not all of you do. It's always good when you read in Matthew 2, the wise men who come from the east are not coming to the stable where Jesus was born. They're coming to a house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus now are. So Jesus, at this time, is probably between one and two years old. In verse 16 of Matthew 2, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, And then it says this, according to the time he had ascertained from the wise men. We will see this in in verse 7 this morning too. He had talked with the wise men. He had figured when they saw the star and when they came. So Jesus is born. God moves, as we will see, in a sovereign, mighty way in these men's lives. And now... One to two years later, they come to worship this toddler. We also see this in verse 11. We'll get there later. But it says, and going into the house, 
they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They aren't at the stable. They're now at a house. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at three things in this passage this morning. The first one is this. Jesus is the Messiah, the King of the Jews, and he is to be worshipped by all the nations of the world. In verses 1 and 2, we read, Now after, was, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Wise men, scholars, intellectuals from the east Most likely, though no one knows for sure, from the area of Babylon. These, what's important for us this morning, these were men who evidently had studied very carefully the prophecies of the Jews, the prophecies of the Jewish prophets. And they know them better than even the scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law do. But God is at work. We're going to see this throughout this message. God is at work in a supernatural, mighty way. Somehow, somehow, these great intellectuals, these wise men from the East, know that something great has happened in the area of Jerusalem. In verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They are being supernaturally guided by a star. Now, just like last week, I remember what I shared with you. The first coming of Jesus assures us of the second coming of Jesus. Don't get caught up worrying about exactly when Jesus is going to return. Don't get caught up worrying about who the Antichrist is or if he's alive right now. Rather, be ready all the time. Be ready every day. That's what you should worry about. The same thing here. There has been all kinds of speculation about how the star guided them and moved in the sky. My, I've read all kinds of articles. I even saw a full-length documentary on this. And the bottom line, folks, is we don't know. We don't. What we do know is this. God was supernaturally guiding a star, the stars that he created, the stars that the psalmist says he knows by name, and he calls one of them, and they guide these men from the east. Now notice verses 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Don't pass over that. Jerusalem was in a hubbub. They were. These travelers from the east didn't just come quietly into Jerusalem. Most likely, again, we don't know for sure, came with a great entourage. We know they were bringing expensive gifts. They didn't come in unnoticed. 
There was something majestic, something fascinating, something interesting about them. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now watch verse 4. It's very important to what I'm going to share with you this morning. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. The title Christ, as I've shared with you before, is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word for Messiah. When we say Jesus Christ, we are always saying Jesus Messiah. We believe he is the prophesied, foretold, and fulfilled Messiah. Herod assembles the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he wants to know where the Messiah was going to be born. I say that because they, the wise men say, where is he who was born king of the Jews? But Herod says... Where is the Messiah going to be be born? Somehow in his conversation with the wise men, he discerned that they were looking for the Messiah. Not just a king, but the Messiah himself. You see, Herod, for 40 years, was called by the Roman Senate the king of the Jews because he ruled over the Jewish people. But Herod though he didn't know a lot, knew this. The Messiah was the one who was going to come and change everything. John Piper says this, Messiah means the long-awaited God-anointed ruler who would overcome all other rule and bring in the end of history and establish the kingdom of God and never die or lose his reign. I love that. That's what the Messiah is the long-awaited, God-anointed ruler, the ruler above all rulers who would bring an end to history, who would establish the kingdom of God and never die or lose his reign. Herod says, where is he supposed to be born? I want to know. Look at verses 5 and 6. Then they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet, and we know that is the prophet Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The chief priests and scribes say he's going to be born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, that's where... You will find him. And if they had kept on in what we now know as Micah chapter 5, verse 2, if they'd have read the rest of verse 2, it says, Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. One is to be born who has always existed, he is from everlasting. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's who the Messiah is. In the beginning. 
But there's something else I want you to see this morning in the coming of the wise men. I've preached on this before, but I want to emphasize it again because I think it's often missed in teachings on this chapter, and yet I think it's the very heart and soul of everything. And that is these wise men represent all the nations of the earth coming to worship Jesus, coming to worship God's Son, the Messiah. There, these wise men from the probably the area of Babylon from the east represent the nations of the earth who are all going to come and worship Christ. And those nations are still coming, folks. They're still coming. They represent you. They represent me. I'm guessing, maybe not all, but the vast majority of us here this morning are Gentiles. They represent us. They're coming to the Messiah. The nations, right at the very beginning, are coming to worship. It's always been not just for the Jews, yes, the Jews, but also for the Gentiles, also for the nations. In Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 3, it says, And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. This is being fulfilled in the coming of the wise men, in the coming of believers in people groups all over the world right now, even as we meet together. Isn't it interesting? In the Gospel of Matthew, at the beginning, in chapter 2, we see the coming of the nations to worship the child Jesus at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It bookends the entire gospel of Matthew. So here is the lesson. And it's one we dare never miss. And it's at the heart and soul of our church. God is guiding the nations. He is guiding foreigners to Christ to worship him. And he is doing it by exerting global, even universal influence and power to get it done. He is bringing in the nations. We dare not miss that. The purpose of God is the gathering of all nations to worship Jesus with us. Let me say that again. The purpose of God is the gathering of all nations to worship Jesus to magnify and exalt Christ in the worship of all nations. In the worship of all nations. Remember what I read to you in Revelation 5. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Folks, they're coming. The wise men are part of the fulfillment of Revelation 5.9. Our second point this morning is rejection and rejoicing. Our first point this morning is that Jesus is the Messiah, the King 
of the Jews and is to be worshipped by all nations. The second thing this morning is when Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Jews, of the Jews came into our world, many were not ready for him and refused to believe in him. Again, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. In verses 7 and 8, it says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Again, he knew he was plotting a mass murder. He summoned the wise men and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Obviously, he was completely insincere. He's fake and phony. He just wants to find out where this Messiah was. You know, it's interesting. I was reading about this this week, and I haven't always caught this. The Bible's amazing. You're always picking up new things, no matter how many times you read a passage. It says in verse that he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. As far as we know, they told him the prophecy of Micah, then went back to their studies, went back to their legalistic lifestyle, and were totally indifferent to what they had just told the king. Do you know why a lot of people miss Jesus? They just try not to think about him. When I do funeral services, often at the graveside, I will say, be careful not to push God out of your lives. And the primary way that we push God out of our lives is by just keeping busy. Every day we're busy, 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 and we just shove him out of our lives and we try not to think about him. That was the scribes and Pharisees. Herod was different. Herod, in a hostile, angry way, opposed this Messiah. Killed all the male children, two years old and under, in the whole region of Bethlehem. And today, today there are some who not only oppose Jesus, but are hostile toward him and toward us. Folks, it hasn't changed, and it won't change until Christ returns to set up his kingdom. In John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it says this, The true light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. How sad. Do you know that's happening right now? I shared with you last week that many missed the first coming of Jesus and many will miss the second coming of Jesus because they're not ready. Don't be one of them. Don't be one of them. Christmas is a reminder to us we cannot ignore the Messiah. We must either believe or reject. 
There is no middle ground. So secondly, when the Messiah, the King of the Jews, came into the world, many were not ready for him and refused to believe in him. Our third point this morning is this. God moved the universe to make his son known so that we could come to him for salvation and worship him as our greatest joy and delight. Do you ever think about that? God moved the universe for you and for me so that we might know his salvation, so that we might worship his son as the greatest joy that a human soul could ever experience. In verse 9, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was again. Enter with me into the mood of the text. It had been, this star had been guiding them probably for hundreds of miles, and there it stops. There it stops. There was the place. There was the place they had been looking for. Verse 10 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I have read that verse so many times, and I feel, as I stand before you today, completely inadequate to fully describe verse 10. It has been called the quadruple expression of joy. And when they saw the star, they not only rejoiced, they rejoiced exceedingly, but they not only rejoiced exceedingly, they rejoiced exceedingly with great, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. A quadruple description of joy. They were so filled with joy, they were beside themselves. I think verse 10 is a description of the greatest feeling, emotion of joy and happiness and exhilaration that any human being on this side of heaven, any human being on this earth could ever experience. That's how happy they are. And verse 11 says, And going into the house, notice that, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Again, how many times have we read that? This, these wise men, these great men from the east, likely, as I said, with a great entourage that caused all Jerusalem to be in a stir. They come to this house and they find a woman with a little child and these great men bow down and worship him. They bow down and worship him. Just try to imagine what that was like then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. For, folks, these weren't gifts that the king needed, that the Messiah needed. The Messiah has everything. 
these were their greatest expressions of praise and worship? They were. They brought what was the best they had. And they lay it before him, not because he needed those gifts, because they were their expression of praise and exaltation and worship. They brought the best they could do. And folks, when we come and we sing and we pray and we serve Jesus with sincere and glad hearts, we are bringing him the sacrifice of praise and worship. And let's always give him our best. Whatever you do for Christ, including when you come on Sunday morning and worship as the body of Christ, give him your best. Always your best. And then in verse 12 it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I think by now they knew Herod was not sincere. But again, I want you to notice how God is moving heaven and earth to make all of this happen. They were warned in a dream. Who warned them in the dream? God did. God came to them in a dream and and warned them to return by another way. In Revelation 5, it says this, A mighty angel cries out, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. I say to you again, this, this is the child the wise men came to worship. The child in the house that they came to worship was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the root of David. He is the one who has conquered sin and death and has conquered the grave. He is the only one worthy in all the universe to open the scroll. He is the one we are to worship. He is the center of Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. We thank you that he is the root of David who has conquered sin and death, who has conquered the grave and is worthy, worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. Oh, Father, remind us. Remind us that this is the child that the wise men came to see. Like the wise men, cause each and every one of us to bow down and worship him, to rejoice exceedingly with great joy, and to offer him gifts of praise. Fill us. Fill us with the wonder of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.